morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Ant and Big Red vs. the World. As always, I'm Big Red. As always, I'm Average Ant. And this is episode 16 of our lovely podcast. Uh, we got a pretty good episode for you. Uh, we're building off a little bit of what we did uh, a little bit ago, a few weeks ago, with the NFC playoff picture. Um, and you want to talk about the other couple segments we got going on? Yeah, so um, for those that are MLB fans, we got some MLB hot stove coming at you. Pretty hot. Um, we got the biggest free agents haven't really signed yet, but there's still some low-key-ish moves that um, are worth talking about, so we'll get into that. But some moves we like and don't like. And then, of course, we have um, my honorable mentions and then Big Red's Ballers with a Z. Don't be confused. And bus. Yeah, so I'm I, like like Ann said, we got a we're gonna get things cooking uh, in the hot stove. Talk a little <laughs> bit about things that have happened. Um, me personally, I'm gonna kind of avoid the Machado, Harper free agent, blah blah blah, because at least in my mind, I have no idea where they're going. And yeah, I mean, there's speculation, but at the end of the day, whoever forks over the most money is probably gonna get them. But we're going to talk a little bit about things we like and things we don't like, and so without further ado, uh, yeah, let's get it started. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll start off with um, my positive, which is Andrew McCutcheon to the Phillies. Um, the Phillies are probably the top team to sign both Machado and Bryce Harper, which is kind of weird. Um, but they signed Machado or they signed McCutcheon for three years, fifty mil, which is pretty good. Um, a little less than 20 mil a year, which is good for a guy like Andrew McCutcheon, who was a former MVP, obviously not MVP level anymore, but he's still a really good defensive player, and at the plate, he's still um, pretty good too there. So, I mean, he's not what he used to be, but it's not like he fell off a cliff and died. He's still a serviceable player. He's still... I'd probably put him like a tier two, tier three type player. So, I mean, that's good for um, him and the Phillies. Um, something that I really liked about this move is that they, with Andrew McCutcheon and Gene Segura, they added some veterans that will help their team because they're a young team last year. I mean, Rice Hopkins, Hoskins was probably their best player, and um, he was super young. So um, it adds some veteran leadership, and it kind of gives them, the younger guys, a comfortability, I would say, um, something to fall back on. I mean, if Gene Segura stays healthy, but um, Andrew McCutcheon and Gene Segura, like, they get it done. So, I mean, it's something for them to fall back on and feel comfortable with that they have guys like Andrew McCutcheon that, at the end of the day, will come through for them. So, I mean, at the end of the day, there's nothing really wrong with this move for me. Um, it just adds to the Phillies outfield that definitely could have used some additions and they went on and got Andrew McCutcheon. So, I mean, that's all I got for my positive right there. Yeah, no, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it too. I mean, I, when I first saw it, I was kind of, I guess my overall opinion of Andrew McCutcheon has dipped down a lot because he's definitely not in his prime anymore yeah, uh, by not. any means. So like if I'm a Phillies fan, I'm a lot more excited about getting Gene Segura, but I mean, it, that doesn't mean that this isn't a good signing. Like you said, it's three years, $50 million. That's not breaking the bank by any means. Um, and if McCutcheon performs at the level he did after he got traded to the Yankees, which he could. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon could be motivated. I mean, this is a young Phillies team for me that at least really has a kind of Houston Astros early stages vibe. I mean, they're they're really young with Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola anchoring their staff. Um and so this is, you saw the Astros do similar things. They picked up some veterans like uh, Evan Gaddis and and guys, I mean, obviously their rotation is filled with veterans now and Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, and that's probably a step the Phillies will eventually take. But for now, they're surrounding these young guys with people like Andrew McCutcheon and uh, Gene Segura to a lesser extent. He's still in his prime, but probably not the clubhouse guy that uh, McCutcheon is. I mean... 
having whether or not McCutcheon hits the 260 with the 850 OPS that he had in New York the second half of the year, at the end of the day, he's still going to be a really good veteran guy in that clubhouse that has been through ups and downs on the Pirates, knows how to win, knows how to come back from defeats. And so he's definitely a huge mentor guy at the very least. I know you could argue that $50 million over three years is a lot for a mentor guy, but at the same time, McCutcheon's still got something left in the tank, and you mentioned it. Uh, he's not. I'll say it again, he's not in his prime by any means, but he's definitely still got something left in the tank, and I really like what he could bring to the table, kind of creating that winning culture for the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely give them a boost. Like last year, how they kind of they went on that slump that eventually like bumped them out of the playoffs. I mean, definitely if the, with adding guys like Andrew McCutcheon and Gene Segura, if they're in a position to make the playoffs, I don't see a slide like that happening with the guys like that on the roster, barring any injuries. Um, but yeah, shout out Andrew McCutcheon, one of my favorite players um, of this generation, I guess I would say. He's just a good guy, so um, shout out to him. And yeah, and I mean, props to him as well. I, I, for 32-year-old that is coming off a down season by Andrew McCutcheon standards. I mean, I know Ken Griffey Jr. was, anytime you'd ask Ken Griffey Jr. who his favorite player was or who he felt played most like him, it was McCutcheon, Andrew McCutcheon, Andrew McCutcheon. And so he's 32 year olds, 32 years old getting a $50 million contract. Um, props. Yep. Props to him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, carrying the bag, I guess. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so... I guess from here, I will move into my, I guess, one of the best moves, I, I think, in the offseason so far. Um, it's almost like a like for the team that signed this guy and almost a dislike for the team that let him go. Uh, it's, it's a little under the radar. It's not going to blow anybody away by any means, but the Minnesota Twins um, signing Jonathan Scope to a one-year, $7.5 million deal. Um, and so it's it's absolutely a prove-it contract. Uh, Scope was on the Baltimore Orioles for most of the beginning of his career. Had a, it had a monster season um, in 2016. Hit 293 with 32 homers, 105 RBIs, and 850 OPS. So he was up there in MVP talks. Um, I know he was right around leading the league in RBIs. Last year, not so not so good. Um, he, he definitely struggled playing in both Baltimore and Milwaukee after the trade deadline. Hit 244 in Baltimore uh, with a 720 OPS. Definitely down from what he'd shown he'd been able to do really his career in Baltimore and obviously from his monster season. So definitely a letdown. I think he missed out on a big payday. But I a Milwaukee team that was just a hair away from the World Series. Um, I know Scope didn't perform all that well, but he signed a one-year $7.5 million contract. And you're telling me that the Brewers, this is where the loss piece for me at least kind of comes in, or dislike is the Brewers don't want to give him a shot, but I one, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I think that the Minnesota Twins, who, again, were just, just barely there from being competitive competitors as I stumble over my words um uh, a couple years ago they fell off last year obviously but a lot of people had him pegged as dark horse playoff somebody that can make something happen in the playoffs and and obviously they fell off last year but I think this is a good move for a team with a lot of young talent and losing some some age uh they they and their first base and DH spots last year they got 30 combined home runs between those two positions Jonathan Scope, uh, a couple years ago, hit uh, hit 32 home runs in his big breakout year. So you're signing a dude to a one-year, $7.5 million contract who's still like 26, 26, 27, um, who had 32 home runs, the same total as your first base and DH total from the previous year. If Jonathan Scope even hits half as good as he did in his breakout year, then you're you have massive value at seven and a half million. It's two seventy with twenty bombs. Fantastic. The twins are making out great. Um, and then on top of that, 
they, I guess this is kind of just adding to it. Another under the radar move for the Twins is signing CJ Crone to one year, or claiming him off waivers for four point eight million dollars from the Rays, who hit thirty two bomb or thirty bombs himself last year. So, I, I like what the Twins are doing with these under the radar moves at the very least. Yeah, I mean those are both super low risk, um, potentially really high reward moves. <clears throat> exactly. I mean, like you like you mentioned, Jonathan Shoop. Uh, which uh, I thought that was his last name for a while. But um, he, like you said, he hit 32 bombs a few years ago. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to bring that to the Twins. Um, the Twins are in a similar-ish similar situation as the Phillies. Um, obviously not as good, I guess, but they have a lot of young talent. Um, they have some pieces there that could... Um, that could potentially boost them to a wild card spot, maybe a division win, because um, AL Central isn't too hot. It's to take a step back. So, yeah. I mean, adding Jonathan Scope, um, CJ Crone is huge for me, uh, for them anyway. I mean, 30 home runs, you get him for four and 4.8 mil. And like you said, the first base and DH spots last year combined, it combined for 30 home runs. Is that what you said? Something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. the Twins' first base and DH spots combined. Yeah, so I mean, that, like you plug in those two guys, I mean, that's a, that's at least a guaranteed 30. I feel like at the very least, it's at least guaranteed 30. 100%. If you plug in those two guys in those spots, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's maybe a guaranteed 40, which is um, a huge upgrade from 30. So, I mean, yeah. it's just a good, it's a good, two good moves for the Twins who are trying to make that push to become not only playoff contenders, but maybe in a year or two, potentially World Series contenders. So, I mean, shout out to the Twins. Um, not necessarily L.A. or anything like that, where a ton of free agents want to go, but um, what they're doing with their farm system and all that and um, signing these low-key free agents that have a lot of value for the amount of money that they're on is um, good for them. And mm, excited to see what they do next year. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean they traded away Dozier um, on the expiring contract, and I mean they're they're making the right moves. I know giving up a fan favorite and power hitting second baseman like Brian Dozier uh, can be tough, but like like we're both saying, the Twins have an exciting farm system, so in a few years you never know. Uh, and all it takes, all it could take, is a few hitting on a few under the radar moves like this, and then you've got an exciting season up there in Minnesota again. Yeah, I mean, kind of a negative on the Rays for, <laughs> I guess, not bringing C.J. Crone back, right? Yeah, that's the thing, too. I don't understand. Yeah, that. I mean, that's both those under-the-radar moves for me are also dislikes for the teams that let him go. I mean, you cut you cut a 30-home run hitter for, to save $5 million bucks. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, don't, yeah, I don't get con, that, con, really. Some, some confusing things. Are, are the Rays contending, or are they not? We're going to look at their roster and think they're not, and then they're going to win 90 games like they do every year. It's just, and it's going to be weird because I don't. Yeah. The Rays so, are just yeah. confusing with their low payroll. Um, yeah, staying kind of on the Rays, um, that's weird that they cut. So they, they cut CJ Crone, but then they go out and sign Charlie Morton. Yeah. So, to like a big, <laughs> to a bigger contract. I, <coughs> it's possible that that's part of their plan was to clear every ounce of cap space possible i guess so they could go get a big name free agent um that's not really the rays how the rays have traditionally done things they work a lot through trades and young guys but i mean i guess we'll see how the how the mold fits in this year they got a lot of talent with the blake snell the cy young award winner anchor in their staff yeah i've, I've actually played fortnite with them once so Dude, really? Me too. I think, he, I think he yelled at me and I got uncomfortable. I was like, oh, better go play with people my skill level. Yeah. Well, anyway, I guess moving on from, <laughs> moving on from the Rays bashing session, a little quick minute bash session on the Rays. Um, shout yeah, out, so shout get out, Blake. Get into uh, my negative is the whole Carlos Santana, Edwin, and Carson in Edwin Encarnacion trade. En Encarnacion. Encarnacion. It's just kind of strange to me. I mean, not as strange for the Mariners, I guess. Um, the Mariners get back Edwin Encarnacion. He's uh, and they basically 30 plus. upgraded yeah. the same player. Yeah, like. he, he's a 30-plus home run guy. They also got 
a pick, right? You said um, 77th pick. Yeah, they, so, they got a compensatory draft pick, 77th overall. Yeah, so that's good for them. I mean, at first I thought it was kind of odd trying to upgrade since um, it's kind of like a rebuild, but, I mean, getting that pick is huge. It helps with the rebuild. So, I mean, not necessarily a negative on the Mariners, but for the Indians, um, it's just confusing to me. I mean... Going from Edwin Encarnacion, who is obviously like your DH, um, first baseman, I guess, occasionally, um, who hits around 250 and 246 last year, but around 250 and hit 36 bombs, who is, he's 36 years old, I mean, getting up there, but I mean, look at Nelson Cruz, he's like 75 and still, still uh, hitting bombs, so I mean, not that big of a deal. Um, he's making 20 mil which is kind of a lot for a guy that age. But um, what they got back was Carlos... It's only Carlos, got one year left. Yeah, it's only one year left. And, but the, what they got back was Carlos Santana, a guy who is 35, I believe, who is making 17.5 mil, but is on the books for um, at least one more year than um, Edwin is. Yeah, two, two more at least. Yeah, and he hit 229 with 29 bombs. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to plug him into their DH slot, um, fill Edwin's role. I mean, it just it's confusing to me, I guess. I mean, for a team that's kind of in win-now mode, it's, it's head-scratching. I mean, you have Francisco Lindor, a roster that has holes on it, but holes that aren't super huge that'll drown the boat or sink the boat, whatever you want to say. And, um, like, they're easily fixed, I guess I'd say. Not easily, obviously, but... Um, like easily patched, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so uh, it's just confusing to me. For a team that was um, went away from winning the World Series a couple of years to adding Edwin Encarnacion the year after, which um, a lot of people thought was going to boost them, but, I mean, they ended up regressing. But there's still in search for a title, so it just doesn't make much sense to me for what this is, for the Indians anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's a good it's and good I, for I the mean, Mariners, but... And I mean, they picked up... So the big piece that the Indians are acquiring is Jake Bowers um, from the Rays, but they, they're sending away... So this is so yeah I am 100% in agreement with you. Um, if you weren't using it for a dislike, I'd probably use it for mine. Um... Not in any way towards the Mariners. I don't. I mean, the Mariners basically just kind of like it seems like they hung out on the outskirts of the trades and was like, "Hey, yeah. hey, you guys had, you guys had Carlos Santana before. Would you want him back? Maybe we'll take Edwin." And there's like, oh, "Okay, I'm not sure why you're involved in this trade, but sure." And so I mean, they just kind of swooped in, upgraded Santana, and then with Encarnacion, um, if Encarnacion sticks around. Um, he's a more exciting guy to have in there than Santana is. Santana walks a lot, but struggled struggled with average pretty much his whole career. Um, takes a lot of walks, so I respect his on-base skills, but I don't think Encarnacion's going to see the field in a Mariners uniform, and he's going to be traded, um, in my opinion. But So anyway, like I said, Mariners kind of just chilling on the outskirts. They, they win this trade, in my opinion, just because you get on you bring on a smaller contract you bring on a draft pick and you get a more tradable guy yeah so well, i guess they brought in a bigger contract but like it is a bigger for one for year. one year yeah and one then, year yeah i get, I get yeah. what you're saying um and that and so mariners fine whatever not i was kind of surprised i was like why yeah i know like i, I saw the notification i was like huh we're getting the same we're like getting the same guy but that hits for a little more power um but, yeah, so Mariners, whatever, they're kind of neutral, if not a win. Uh, but, yeah, it's confusing when I look at it from the Indian standpoint. Like, why? Uh, uh, I don't know. So they're a few years removed from that World Series appearance. Um, they signed Encarnacion as that upgrade. A lot of people believed it was going to be the piece that put them over the top. And then, obviously, they underperformed and disappointed. Still win their division, but early playoff exits, uh, the Yankees upset. Um Things like that. And so I, I don't necessarily believe it's on the Indians. I think a lot of it is more just the Yankees 
hitting on all their prospects and becoming ridiculously talented. The Astros coming full circle with with cap space, young guys and superstars. Uh, and then, of course, the Red Sox. And so, I mean, it's the Indians are kind of in like a limbo that's like, well, we could probably keep winning the division each year because the Central's terrible. Um, but do we really feel like we have a World Series shot? And I personally, I, I thought the Indians did, but I mean, they're I don't know what they're doing anymore at this point. I, you're, you still have uh, Lindor. Um, they have guys like Carlos Carrasco, but they have guys like Trevor Bauer on the trade market, uh, Corey Kluber on the trade market, um, traded for Carlos Santana, gave up Yandy Diaz, who's 25, hit 312 in limited time last year. I, it's confusing. I don't know what kind of half-style rebuild or I, I reboot they're trying to pull off here, but you're in an era of elite level baseball talent with the Astros, Red Sox, and Yankees, and they're not going anywhere. Filled with young guys, uh, so to me, to me, you're kind of the Indians are almost trying to be stuck in that Jerry Depoto Seattle Mariners limbo <laughs> where you're obviously they made the playoffs the Mariners couldn't quite get there but the Mariners are in a way harder division if you put the Mariners record and the twins uh, twins and Indians division the central there's a few years in there where the Mariners are making the playoffs um, and probably competing harder down the stretch because they can see that but sucks to suck the AL West is stacked with 97 win A's and 100 whatever win Astros but yeah the Indians confusing for me like what are you doing are you competing? Are you just trying to make the playoffs? Because if that White Sox sign Bryce Harper, they're loaded with talent. Yeah. And they have assets, and they can bring in anybody they want. So, I mean, it's pick a side. Go all in to compete and match these powerhouses of Houston, New York, and Boston or Strip it down like the Mariners are. You got a lot of talented guys to trade. You can still hold on to Lindor. He can still be that core guy. Um, but right now, it's the Indians just seem too tentative to tear it down, and that is a big dislike. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if they were like having Encarnacion on the market, they should have been trying to get some sort of bullpen type players or pitchers. I mean, um, the bullpen was obviously their biggest hole, and it has been since even when. Um, when they went to the World Series, like they had to rely on Andrew Miller the whole time, and he's not what yeah, he used then to be. Yeah, they lost him. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, like I mean, it's just a head scratcher, dude. Like, what do you 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 traded Encarnacion for a slightly worse Encarnacion, <laughs> and, and 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 yeah, and and you get Jake Bowers, who's a yeah, young but, talented so, guy, but I don't. But he gives me like a Will Myers kind of vibe, where he's gonna. I mean, Will Myers is a bust because of the expectations he had still a solid MLB player, I guess not a fan of his, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, win, win for the Rays, in my opinion, picking up Yandy Diaz and, um, some relief pitching, but head scratcher for the yeah, Indians for sure. for sure. So, I mean, I guess the Rays make up for, <laughs> for that negative in the last, in the last positive, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to swindle the Indians, I mean, by all means, I guess, do do whatever you need to. Um, but we'll move on. Um, and this my, So my dislike, it's not necessarily any particular move. Um, it's actually kind of big, building off one of my big red busts from, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but uh, when I did my little piece on Mike Trout, my, my dislike for this whole offseason so far is what the Los Angeles Angels are doing. And are you familiar with, with what they're doing? No, I don't pay attention to them. They're... Yeah, worth, well, no, I mean, you time. probably wouldn't even, even if you did, you probably wouldn't know what they're doing because they're not doing anything. <laughs> they're doing nothing. I, I can basically, I will, I will copy and paste the exact same thing I said about the Indians, um, to a lesser talent degree because the Angels are not as talented as the Indians were. You've got the Astros, you've got the Red Sox, and you've got the Yankees, and the A's. And then you're the Los Angeles Angels, and you have Mike Trout, the best player on the planet, the LeBron James of baseball. Everyone will always, until he completely falls off the face of the earth, Mike Trout will be looked at as the best player in the game of baseball. And right now, 
the Angels are looking to go into this season with a starting rotation of Andrew Heaney, Andrew Heaney uh, Jaime Barria, Tyler Skaggs, Felix Pena, and Nick Tropiano. Now, two, three years ago, I might have looked at that rotation and been like, wow, that could actually be pretty good because a lot of those guys were prospects that had a lot of potential. Andrew Heaney's okay, I guess. Um, Nick Tropiano's eh. Tyler Skaggs is solid for a lefty, can't really stay healthy. Um, what are you doing? What are the Angels doing? Patrick Corbin signed. Nathan Eovaldi signed. James Paxton traded. You got Trout for two more years. What are you doing? Exact same question I have for the Indians. What are you doing? The Angels are far closer to a rebuild than the Indians are or were. But you got to part with Mike Trout to do so. And obviously they they are too tentative to do that. Um, but you're not doing anything to make it a contender. What... You're just the the way the Angels could end up handling Mike Trout's final two years in LA could be some of the worst I've ever seen if they don't figure out what they're doing. They either need to compete, go all in, sign people, find a way to dump pool hosts, fi- do something, and compete, or strip everything, trade Mike Trout for the biggest prospect haul of all time, and start what could actually be an epic rebuild. But right now the Angels are doing nothing, and that is my biggest dislike in the whole hot stuff. Yeah, they're they're gonna. They're, my prediction is they're gonna end up like the Cleveland Cavaliers, not trying to re- build around LeBron or Mike Trout, not trading him or getting anything out of it, just letting him walk, um, go to a better team, better situation, and then try to act like they try to do all these things to <laughs> to make him happy. Like, but. Uh, <laughs> come on, Angels! Like, yeah, I for real. It's it's. But you have the Do- you have this Dodgers in your city. I guess you're in the Dodgers yeah. city. I guess I would say because LA is the Dodgers city for ba- talking about baseball. Yeah. But you're in the same city as the Dodgers, who've been to the last two World Series, came super close to winning one of them, and you're out here with the best player, almost arguably of all time, could be arguably of all time. On your roster, and you've made the playoffs what once, maybe. It is. Yeah. That's it. One time. It's like, and it was a quick exit to the yeah. Indians. I'm not. I'm, I am. It's it's it disgusts me. <laughs> Angel, Angels are MIA. Uh, Jerry Depoto's making trades from the hospital, and and the Angels are sitting on their yeah. hands in the waiting room, yeah. I guess. They asking for Jerry back. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike Trout. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Free Mike Trout. Um, my prediction it hopefully hasn't happened yet. Um, but I, I, I was, I'm, I'm not a big fan of predicting things in the MLB because really, at least in my opinion, it's, I, I have no idea. Speculation often is one twitter source saying oh i saw these guys in the same room or across the street one time and that means that they're trading and so i i at least me personally i have a tougher time picking out what i think might actually happen so i mean i just this is kind of more of a a fun interesting thing i'd like to see happen i guess um the it's it's around the dodgers and they're ridiculously cramped and loaded outfield they have Yasiel Puig uh Matt Kemp Jock Peterson Chris Taylor Kike Hernandez Cody Bellinger um Andrew Tolles and their top prospect or a top prospect of theirs Alex Verdugo um that's like seven or eight guys in your outfield I mean the outfield was crowded last year and they talked about trading Puig and and things like that um but this year I think is the is finally the one where they do it and they ditch some cap space um and trade Matt Kemp um, and Yasiel Puig for high-quality pitching. And I uh, my my win-win kind of situation here is the Cleveland Indians give up Corey Kluber over to the Dodgers for either a Yasiel Puig and a top prospect Alex Verdugo kind of combo or a Matt Kemp-Verdugo combo. I think with, the, with Kemp... If you do Kemp instead of Puig, you definitely have to do Verdugo as a top prospect. There might be some other prospects or guys that they can make work for Kluber. Um, 
if you use Puig, but with Kemp, you have around like a $20 million contract. Um, he's old, while Puig is on an 11-year contract, I believe is expiring next year, um, and you'd get, and so getting a top prospect there would obviously be a bigger win for the Indians, but really I'm looking at it more from a Dodgers perspective. You bring Corey Kluber, a nasty, nasty right-hander to pair with just re-signed Clayton Kershaw, um, then this Dodgers team that, like you mentioned earlier, has been to the World Series a couple years in a row is going... I mean, that's the best chance I think that they'll have, or that they've had since they've been there. Um, with the exception of maybe that year they played the Astros, I really thought they were freaking loaded that year, and I and props to the Astros for winning, but that's kind of what I'm thinking, is a Corey Kluber for Puig or Kemp and Alex Verdugo to the Dodgers, or to the Indians for Kluber. Yeah, I mean, that'd be good for them. They Their outfield, like you mentioned, is um, super loaded. I mean, they could go, like, three deep yeah, at each silly. position, pretty much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd probably go with Yasiel Puig probably getting traded more than Matt Cap. Um, obviously, Matt Cap, like you mentioned, is older. Um, Puig could offer more, I mean, and getting also a um, top prospect with that for the Indians would be huge. Um, but... It also adds a little more to the Indians, like, what are you doing type thing, if the, if it does go down. I mean, obviously, it'd be a huge win for the Dodgers. Um, their pitching has been probably, or I guess the managing of Dave Robert, Robertson has been the biggest question mark in the World Series. But <laughs> after that, I would probably put it at the pitching, specifically Clayton Kershaw. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't, <laughs> sorry to call you out, but... If you're listening to this, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, definitely adding Corey Kluber who um, shows up. I mean, he's shown up in big games, so I mean that'd be huge for them. It uh, it takes a little bit of stress off of Clayton Kershaw. I mean that he obviously shows. I mean, up until like last year or the year before, he's just been carrying the Dodgers pitching staff. So I mean, adding another bona fide ace would be super huge for that. For um him maybe he could relax and get a little more comfortable get some pre- pressure off of him but um it we bo- it boosts the Dodgers pitching which is the biggest thing they need and it gets rid of this who's going to play today now yeah exactly type thing I mean you can't hold them back I mean eventually if you don't end up trading if you don't end up training them they're eventually just going to walk in free agency from not having enough playing time and like getting used to their full potential so I mean I feel like it's a move not necessarily this move exactly, but something that the Dodgers have to do in order to keep contending and possibly eventually. Oh yeah, I mean they've got I, whether or not they bring in Kluber. Um, like like I said, whether or not the specific trade happens or not, the Dodgers need to drop outfielders and they need to drop cap space or drop some cap. Uh, and the eight outfielders that you have is an excellent way to do that. Um, so yeah, yeah I yeah. Clayton Kershaw has been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde in the playoffs. Um, struggled for a long time, first coming up. Finally had some success the last couple years. Surprise, surprise, Dodgers are in the World Series. But we've also, again, seen the bad Clayton Kershaw that struggled in the playoffs in, in the same breath. He dominates one game, and then the next time out, it's uh, the old Clayton Kershaw's back. Shoot. Um, so backing him up with Kluber, I think, would be huge for the Dodgers World Series championship hopes, at least, because that's got to be what they're shooting for. I mean, they've been there twice, so. Yeah, they've been there twice in last wolf. I mean, they're a game away yeah. the first time, so, I mean, all they got to do, they, they're they pretty much all, like, I kind of want to say fire Dave Roberts, but, or Robert, yeah, Roberts, Dave Roberts, but. Uh, I don't know, yeah, it's, don't it's know. tough. I don't, I don't know, know how you can fire far. a dude that's been to the series back-to-back years I mean it's kind of I mean it's kind of like Dwayne Casey I mean I know the Raptors choked for like six million years in a row but in that same breath it's 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 a tough thing to do to hire a coach that has brought your franchise so much success um even though I would I don't know how much success Dave Roberts actually has brought you could argue that the the rosters that yeah, LA has put out the last the few years could be managed by anybody. Um, yeah, I mean, um, 
Joe Girardi got fired. Yeah, after, I mean, that, uh, that was a shocker. The Yankees went to seven games with the Astros. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, the Yankees team that wasn't even really projected to even make yeah, the playoffs. Go, we're one game away that, from the World Series. That like, Girardi, Girardi was going to be fired. fired regardless of how the season turned anyway, out. Like, they're like, yeah. we're ready to move on from the Joe Girardi era. Um, I, I guess there was that, the what he didn't challenge. Um was it a foul ball home run or whatever? He didn't challenge something. I remember he was super, and the the Yankees came back and won in the uh, extra innings. But yeah, whatever. That's irrelevant. That's that's in the past. Uh, yeah. We're in the future <laughs> here on Am Big Rivers World. Uh, but I think that does it for our hot stove. You got anything left there, Ant? No. All right. Well, from there we'll move into the AFC playoff picture. Um, we talked about how crazy and wild the NFC was a couple weeks ago. Well, it's not all that crazy and wild anymore. Uh, a lot of teams, some of the ones that Ant and I picked, Panthers for me, Redskins for Ant, are kind of just falling completely out. And so it's kind of coming down to the, the Hawks and Vikings in there. So, I mean, that the NFC died down a little bit, and now we're looking at actually – one of the most intriguing playoff races I think we've seen in a while in the AFC with everything that's going on it. You have, I'll, I'll just kind of run through the standings, what we're looking at right now. Um, last night, Thursday night football, Kansas city was upset by the Los Angeles chargers on an epic comeback, two point conversion for the win. Now the chargers and chiefs in the same division in the AFC West, both 11 and 3. Chiefs still on top because they have um, a slightly better conference and divisional record. The Chargers lost to the Broncos. Um, so, I mean, they're still leading their division, but they'll have to win out to hold on to it. Um, so, that's right there is the most interesting thing probably in the whole NFL is that the 9 and 1 Kansas City Chiefs are now 11 and 3 and tied with the 11 and 3 Los Angeles. Chargers, um, and from there you got the Patriots, nine and four household names. Just had a real embarrassing loss to the, the Dolphins. <laughs> um, Houston, nine and four, was like the hottest team in football before their last loss to the Colts. Pittsburgh, seven five and one, kind of on a spiral. Baltimore uh, at seven and six, wild card team. Um, and then on in the hunt, looking on the outside, looking in, but not by much, is the Colts at seven and six, Miami at seven and six, Tennessee at seven and six, and then kind of the last few hopefuls hanging on by strings: Denver at six and seven, Cleveland at four, six and one, or whatever they are. Um, it's a lot of teams above five hundred in the AFC, and that's kind of something we're not used to seeing with a usually. People believe the AFC is weaker than the NFC, and you could still argue that the Rams, Saints, and Bears are better than most any team in the AFC, but at least competition-wise, it's going to be a tight playoff race. Yeah, um, I guess I'm not necessarily as interested in the Chiefs-Chargers thing as uh, most people are. I mean, the Chiefs and Chargers are notorious for underperforming in the playoffs, so... I kind of feel like it doesn't really matter at this point who wins the division, who doesn't. I mean, my perspective of them isn't going to change until they prove me wrong. So um, until they at least make the Super Bowl, um, I'm not I'm not going back on the Chiefs and Chargers or jokes <laughs> in in the playoffs. Um, that being said, I mean I'm super interested in this last wild card spot. Um, it, like like you said, the Ravens are. Um, leading it, but the Steelers are leading the North, but only by yep. game and a half. So I mean that's something to watch too. Is the Ravens may be able to creep up on the Steelers, then um, the Steelers have the Patriots and the Saints, um, and then they play the Bengals, which is I mean the Bengals. The only easy game they have. Oh, the Bengals. Lost. I mean that's kind of yeah, that's kind of easy dub right there. But, I mean, yeah, the Steelers have the Patriots and the Saints. Um, the Ravens have the Bucks, who isn't an easy one by all means. I mean, they just saw what happened with the yeah. Panthers. Um, it's, a, it's a winnable game, though, for sure. And then the Browns, which is another 
winnable game, but I mean, you don't know what Baker Mayfield's exactly. going to do. I mean, so that's not an easy win at all. And then they um, they end it with the Chargers. I think I think they end it with the Chargers. Uh, I'm not sure if they do, but they do play the Chargers. Yeah, at it's some the, point. the second game. Yeah, it's in sure. between the the yeah. and Browns. Yeah. So and the Chargers is in, in LA. Los Angeles too, so um, that's I I feel like that's an automatic W for the Chargers, <laughs> especially with um, Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's been playing really good, but he's a rookie. He's young. Um, the Chargers are arguably a powerhouse, I guess, in the regular season. Anyway, I mean, you heard me bash them, but that's that's playoffs. That's playoffs. The Chargers are usually a good regular season team, so I'll give that to them. Um, so I mean, to me. That, that's tough for the Ravens. It's tough for the Ravens and the Steelers. I mean, they both have somewhat hard schedules. I mean, the Ravens have two winnable games, but, I mean, you never know what Bucks team and what Browns team is going to show up. So that's something super interesting, especially with a rookie quarterback. And then um, I do trust, I guess, I'd, I'd trust the Steelers more to win two out of the three, and they already have a game-and-a-half lead. So, I mean, I don't think two of three is really necessary to guarantee them a spot. I mean, it will obviously be a rocky road if they don't win two out of three, but um, I definitely don't see the Ravens winning three out of three, which would, I mean, pretty much lock them in I mean, for yeah. winning the division at least. Um, I don't see that happening. I mean, I'm kind of hesitant to even say they'll win two out of three um, because of the teams that they have to play. Like, they're not any jokes. Yeah, that's a lot anything, of trap games. So um, that's I'm going Steelers win the North. Um, so I guess that brings us to the sixth spot, which is super crazy. I mean, the Ravens are seven and six, the Colts are seven and six, the Titans are seven and six, and the Dolphins are seven and six, and the Broncos are at six and seven. Um, shout out to the Browns at five seven and one. They're not gonna make the playoffs, but maybe next year. Maybe next year they will. So I mean, shout out to the Browns. Um, feel like everybody has to have some sort of love for that team. I mean, how can you not as bad um, as they've been? Yeah. So, I guess with that stage kind of set with the, what is it, four, five, yeah, four teams at seven and six, um, you could take it from yeah, here. Yeah, and, and so I'll, I'll kind of build a little more off the, the, the div- divisional matchups are, they're all fairly tight. Um, I, yeah. Pittsburgh and Baltimore obviously being the closest one, um, seven, five, and one. Like you said, the the Ravens aren't playing any slouches the rest of the year. But the big thing for me, two of their games are at home. The Bucks are at home. Cleveland's yeah. at home. Mm-hmm. Those, yeah. yeah. Baltimore's been playing great defense and running the football. I think you can beat the Bucks like that, and I think that you can beat Cleveland like that. They're going to put pressure on Baker Mayfield. Now Baker May is still going to put up numbers and do well. And like you said, you never know. If the Browns' secondary is healthy, you never know. Lamar Jackson is not the passing, is not any by any means a passing guru yet in this league. He can run all over the field, but Cleveland has a good secondary when healthy. Uh, and so, I mean, those are two winnable games, and they're at home. And so if they can take both of those, quite honestly, I think that they could win the division. Um uh, I, yeah. I, I think if you beat L.A., the the Chargers, yeah, like you said, yeah, they, that's it. They locked it up. Sorry, Pittsburgh, you're going home early. Um, but I think even winning those two games and finishing 9-7, and seven, I, I see um, – ah, it's it's tougher, too, because their division record is 2-3, and three, so they're going to have to finish with a better, better record than the Steelers' higher winner percentage. Yeah. Um, but they win the two games. They finish nine and seven. I say Pittsburgh loses to the the Patriots. I, I say Pittsburgh loses two of their three. They're going to finish seven, seven, and one. Um, I say they completely miss the playoffs. Honestly, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to go into New Orleans and beat them. The Patriots are going to be angry this weekend. They just yeah. they just gave up a <laughs> sixty yard miracle pitch whatever to the Dolphins and Kenyon Drake. And lost to the Dolphins, who have their number. I, they're going to be pissed off. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick are going to want to... 
this is the first time I think this late in the year where we kind of looked at the Patriots and been like, oh, are you not the best team in the AFC? Usually by now, they they beat the best team in the AFC and like, oh, yep, there we go. Patriots are the Patriots still. Don't worry about it. But that hasn't really happened yet. The Patriots go in, beat the Steelers. That's kind of, I feel like, their galvanizing moment. And they finish out, win their division. Sorry, Miami. You tried your best. You're not going to, you're not passing the Patriots in the division. Um, Patriots beat the Steelers. Steelers beat New Orleans, or New Orleans beat the Steelers too. That's it. I'm saying Pittsburgh drops out of the playoffs. Sorry to my Steelers fans out there. Um, Lamar Jackson and that exciting, young, running, I guess I shouldn't say exciting, that young, (laughs) ground-and-pound offense of Baltimore, I think that and the solid defense they played all year squeaks in, and I think they do it with a division. And so with that, then you're sitting at all the rest of these seven and six teams. Um, I'll tell you right now who I believe the phonies are, Miami and Tennessee. Uh, Yeah. I was I was gonna say the Dolphins. I was gonna say X the Fins. Unfortunately, yeah, I, um, I wanna I wanna get on here and say roll Fins as much as possible, but can't really. I do can't. That. I, I don't know what Ryan Tannehill's gonna show up. I don't know if he's gonna be healthy, and I don't know what their real game plan is. I don't. Do they have a good defense? Does they show up and play well sometimes and play horrible the other times? And uh, do they have a good offense? Like I said, what Ryan Tannehill's showing up. Um, and so with. With the Titans, and so yeah, so Miami, yes, you've played an admirable year. I don't, I don't see you guys squeaking it in. Um, Tennessee, same story, but worse. Jekyll and Hyde. Um, they, for example, they lost to the Chargers by one point earlier this year. They blew out the Patriots. They've been blown out by the Colts. Um, I, they blew out the Jags. I, I don't know what team from Tennessee is showing up. Is it the team that? romped the Patriots and made them look like Tennessee and Marcus Mariota were ready to take the next step? Um, Or is it the team that faced a hot Colts team in their division in a prime game and just got railed? Like, what team is that? Is Marcus Mariota is kind of fitting into the mold of, I mean, it's fitting that him and Jameis Winston are in the same draft class because good Marcus Mariota means good Titans. Um, Bad Marcus Mariota or I guess bad and injured Marcus Mariota means the Titans look mostly like a joke when they step onto the football field. Um, and so I, while I should say good Marcus Mariota is more like a game manager that can make some plays and good Jameis Winston lights it up for five touchdowns and whatever. Um, this still it's, it's that up and down inconsistency. That's ultimately going to bounce the Titans, especially since guess what? They play the Colts again. And the Colts, yes, they put a they laid a real egg against Jacksonville. They lost six to zero. Uh, that's embarrassing. No excuse. The Jags were <laughs> Jags are on my my bust list a while back. Can't happen. What the Colts immediately do after that is they go and they beat upset Houston, the nine game winning streak Houston, and then that I mean they're they're less of a chance to win the division. They'll need Houston to kind of slip. Um, playing the Jets and Eagles and then the Jags at home. So, I mean, they kind of have that clear path to beat the Jags and the Jets and finish 11-5, and five, and Colts are eliminated just by that. So I don't see the Colts winning the division, but I think the Colts are going to beat the Titans. The Colts play the Colts play Dallas at home this week, which is a tough game, but Dallas is riding high. They beat the Eagles. They, they're feeling good about their playoff chances, whether they win or lose this game. So... But Indianapolis is still fighting for that playoff spot. And while I wish I could say Denver last week, I would have said Denver, but they laid a real stinker for me against the 49ers. So F Denver, I'm over them. I hate them right now. <laughs> um, I say the Colts upset Dallas this this weekend. Um, then they play the Giants and the Titans. I, I think that the Colts could win out and finish 10-6, and six, and I think they'll secure that last playoff spot. Um, the Chargers, the Chargers or Chiefs are taking the other wild card. We already know that the Chiefs clinched playoffs. Um, I believe that the Chargers are clinched too now. Um, the yeah, I, I'm saying Colts are going to squeak into that sixth spot. I'm, I'm excited for this Andrew Luckled team that actually seems to be playing a little bit of defense. Um, 
Sorry, Miami. Sorry, Tennessee. Your pretenders and Pittsburgh. It's going to be a long year for for your offseason, I think, with looking back at now James Connors hurt. You didn't pay Le'Veon Bell. Your offense looks like a mess, and your defense was never that good. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a long year in Pittsburgh, and I say Indianapolis takes that six seed. Yeah. Um, so I guess I want to root for the Ravens. I like the Ravens. Um, definitely want to root against the Steelers. Don't necessarily like them, um, especially after not paying Le'Veon Bell. I think it would be super funny if they end up missing the playoffs. It really would. Um, like you said, I mean, I would have I been on the Broncos chain too if they had won this last weekend. How do you how do you lose to the 2 and 10 49ers? I Yeah. Ugh. I don't I don't understand that at all. But I had high hopes on the, on the Broncos um the weeks leading up to it. I mean, I wasn't obviously wasn't expecting them to lose. <laughs> I was expecting them to be another team at 7 and 6, but I guess um sorry Denver, sorry Broncos fans. Um fortunately you're out you're out of this too. Um so I guess that brings us kind of down to the Titans and Colts. Um, I don't know. The Titans do have the Giants and Redskins left. Giants is on the road. Redskins is at home. Obviously, um, you mentioned before the Colts, Colts and Giants, Colts and Titans play um, in the last week of the season. So I mean, I think it'll come down to that game. I mean, I see the Titans winning both of those games. I can see the Colts winning both of um, their games against the Cowboys and Giants. I mean, lesser are the Cowboys because Cowboys are hot. But, I mean, like you mentioned before, they kind of have somewhat of a security blanket on them with their division. So, I mean, they might come out lax after coming out super hard the last few weeks. But um, I think it will come down to that last game. And I don't know. I kind of want to go Titans. I mean, Marcus Mariota, I mean, as inconsistent as he is, he – has relatively shown up in bigger games. Um, I guess can't necessarily say the same about Andrew Luck, but that's mainly because he's usually hurt. So, I mean, I guess we haven't necessarily seen him in this type of situation. So, I mean, that'll be interesting to see. And it's in Tennessee, too. So, I think that'll sway it a little bit. So, I mean, I'd have to go Titans on this. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. They squeaked in last That's year. That's true. Um, and if Derrick Henry stays good. Yeah. yeah. They showed up against the Chiefs. I mean, it was a joke of <laughs> the Andy Andy Reid-led Chiefs are um, in the playoffs last few years. They still showed up and beat them. So, um, the Titans have proven more to me, I guess, last season. I mean, they have been inconsistent this season, but I mean, I'd have to give it to them because I don't know what Andrew Luck's going to do. We haven't seen him in this type situation in years. Yeah, I, that's, so, that's absolutely right. Um, I mean, I... Mean, I, I you go ahead. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's it's Home and road games, for me, are so massive in the NFL, in my opinion. It yeah. is so much easier to play at home in the NFL. You don't have to travel. You've got your fans. You're quiet when you're on the field. Um, and so they, yeah, that'll play a big role, but at least for me, I just think the Colts are overall a better team. And if I think this, this weekend is going to be a big test. I, my, everything I've said mm-hmm. could just be completely wrong on the Colts here. If they don't beat Dallas this lose, weekend, yeah. yeah, you have to beat Dallas. They're at home against Dallas, New York at home, uh, win both, take care of your business at home and win both those games. And you can go into Tennessee knowing we just have to win this game and we're in. And if 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 the Colts beat Dallas this weekend, they're in. If not, um, then maybe my yeah maybe my my Mariota and Tennessee Titan bashing is a little overdone. But I for <laughs> me right now I'm, I'm putting my money on Andrew Luck and the Colts. I know he hasn't been played in a couple years, but it used to be Andrew Luck just carrying the Colts. I mean they'd get to the playoffs on the the arm of 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns out of luck. Um, now they have a little defense. Now they have Marlon Mack, a little running game. So I don't know. I, I'm all I'm all in on the Colts right now. Yeah, and I mean, what you said about the Colts and what has been said about the Titans can easily be said about like those two teams, like the Dolphins too. I mean, they've it's kind of hard to judge them. I mean, they've shown up some weeks, haven't shown up others. I mean, it's just a matter of what team shows up down the stretch. I mean. Um, the Cowboys is going to be a real test for the Colts, but I mean, 
the Giants is definitely a losable game for the Titans as well with Saquon Barkley and all that. They're, so. they're hot. They, they won four of their yeah. last five. I mean, it's if they didn't blow that late lead to the Eagles, we might be talking about the Giants maybe making the playoffs. So, I mean, And they still can. They're not eliminated. Um, they're going to need a lot of help. but Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, end of the day, got to go with Marcus Mariota, my favorite quarterback to throw a touchdown to himself in the playoffs <laughs> against the Chiefs. So, <laughs> yeah, going to go with the Titans. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, there we go. Those are our predictions. Uh, any Anything else left on that interesting, to say the least, AFC playoff picture, Ant? No, I mean, I guess we kind of just have to sit back and watch it. <laughs> yeah, we got to sit back it's, and see yeah. if our NFC predictions or our AFC predictions will be as bad as most of our uh, NFC ones. So. Yeah, I mean, at least we got the Seahawks right, though. Yeah, hey, go Hawks, I guess that's baby. The, that's, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the one you care most about. So. But, I mean, shoot, dude, I could I could pick every team wrong as long as the Hawks are, are balling. Um, speaking of balling, let's get into uh, Big Red's Ballers and Busts. Uh, We'll start off with uh, my baller. Uh, Got to talk a little bit about the Rocks. Uh, Houston beat Los Angeles, the Lakers, yesterday. Uh, and my guy James Harden dropped 50 points, 10 boards, and 11 assists. Um, Triple-double. I know Harden putting up big numbers all the time. The Rockets aren't winning. big thing for me is they took a dub today. Um, we kind of been on a Rockets bash spree last few times we talked about them. So I want to give, give my... Uh, Space City, a little love out here. James Harden was balling out last night. Um, huge win for the Rockets, really. Every win's huge when the Rockets are two games or one game under 500 after the win yesterday. Uh, and so Harden to put them on their back and take down the LeBron-led Lakers, who are 17-10, and 10, kind of balling out themselves. Um, second player in history with multiple 50-point games versus Lakers on uh, same season. Uh, and so really everyone's huge. And when James Harden carries you there with a 50 point triple double, uh, props to him for sure. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a, so if the Golden, if the Warriors don't end up with the one seed or, I mean, the I don't think the Lakers will, but if they don't, end, if the Lakers or Warriors don't end up with a one seed as a Rockets fan, I, or obviously I'm not a Rockets fan, but if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm kind of rooting for them to get that eight seed. I mean, if they get the eight seed and somehow like the Clippers or the Nuggets or something like that, or anything <laughs> like that, or the one seed, I mean, I feel like that's kind of an easier road for them than 100%. to be like a five seed and have to play the Lakers in the first round, um, yeah. then like have to go play like the Warriors in the second round or something like that. So I mean, as, um, as if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm kind of rooting for them to get around that seven or eight seed. So. Yeah, and I mean, it's, yeah, the Rockets aren't by any means going to climb back out of the cellar and be a top three seed. So, yeah, uh, yeah like you said, we, we basically, my best case scenario is the Warriors fall or stay out of that one seed and Rockets can get that eight seed and kind of move through the still upper echelon, but lesser, lesser known commodities in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess I'll get into my honorable mention real quick. Um, get my positive in before you get uh, a negative in real my quick. My big old negative. <laughs> so um, for those that don't know, Wade and, Dwayne Wade and LeBron played for the last time a few days ago. And I guess this is less of the game itself, but more of um, me missing the like 2010 to 2014 heat. Um, obviously, like, it was when, it was at the peak where I dislike LeBron the most, um, obviously, like, I'm not a LeBron, a LeBron fanboy, but, I mean, I res like, I respect him as a player, he's the second greatest player of all time, in my opinion, so, um, I don't know, it makes me miss that, like, kind of having a villain to root against, because, I mean, we have that with the Warriors and Kevin Durant, but, I mean, they're out here sweeping through wins. the finals, yeah. so, I mean, it really doesn't. Like, yeah, I can root against them, but there's really nothing on the line because they're just going to sweep the finals. So, I mean, it makes me miss that. Um, part of me wish he kind of stayed in Miami. I mean, we would have had more interesting finals matchups down the road. But, I mean, whatever. And dude. for sure, I, I would have liked to see kind of what Pat Riley did to rebuild yeah. the roster after Bosch 
couldn't play anymore basically. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you still, I mean, obviously Dwayne Wade's decline came a little quicker than I expected at least. Uh, I know he's, he's pretty old. So, I mean, that's just probably just me trying to cling to vintage D Wade and and all that. But but yeah, that definitely would have been interesting. And it's, it's the end of an era. I mean, LeBron's still chugging away, obviously, but um, no more D Wade and LeBron's. It's kind of a sad thing to, to think about for sure yeah the banana boat cruise yeah for real it's, i mean it's going I down still got chris paul but i mean he's kind of a little bit on the decline a little bit oh, too, i mean yeah so. the rockets are down so i mean that's but yeah it's definitely definitely worth the shout out for sure yeah um so you got any other honorable mentions we got a uh, fun guess, fun bust shout out to aaron donald i guess but i mean i'm not really gonna get too into that <laughs> All right, so without further ado, we are getting into Big Red's bust, and boy, is it a big one. Um, we'll just pause for a second here and let y'all listen to this clip. I'm going to have some faith in, in Spencer Way and thinking that, you know, he can do some things. I'm keeping my eyes, I'm keeping my eyes on this matchup right here. Spencer you got your linebacker. Out. I'm sorry? Spencer Ware is out. Oh, yes, 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 I forgot. I'm sorry, out Max, I'm foot. sorry. Yeah. Absolutely, he is out. But I'm thinking Tyreek Hill. I'm yep. thinking Patrick Mahomes. I'm also looking at the San Diego Chargers on offense, and I'm thinking about Hunter Henry and the way that he's played this year and as effective as he's been. He's going up against Derrick Johnson, and I got to keep my eyes on Okay, so first of all, Stephen A. Smith, stick to basketball, my dude. I Stick just – First take, um, this is probably one of the first times I've sat here and been like, felt bad for Max Kellerman and Teddy Bruschi having to listen to you. I I know you just yelling something into the mic doesn't make it right, doesn't make it good sports talk. I don't know what Stephen A. Smith is doing here. First of all, four different mistakes. Four different mistakes. Two of them? Two of them, I, I can get explanations for. I'm okay with. You're a professional, shouldn't be making them. But Spencer Ware was pretty much ruled out, was doubtful most of the week, was ruled out that that day or that night before, that morning. So not knowing Spencer Ware is out, okay, whatever, fine. Calling them the San Diego Chargers, okay, we all still do that once in a while. It's still weird that they're in L.A., um, but honestly, the way you give this take, it's like you're... Have you been watching 2016 game film? Is that why you called them the San Diego Chargers? Uh, Hunter Henry tore his ACL in the preseason. What good work has he been doing for the Chargers all year? He's a really good cheerer on the sidelines, you know. He's making their offense elite. Teddy Bruschi looked like he was having a stroke because he was so confused <laughs> at the stupidity you were putting out there. I... You're watching the Derek Johnson matchup between Derek Johnson and Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry's been out since preseason. Derek Johnson was released in February, signed to the Raiders, and then cut by the Raiders. <laughs> He's not on a roster. I, I, Max Kellerman and Teddy Bruschi literally looked dumbfounded. And and uh, Stephen A., do you watch football? It's okay if you don't. Just please don't get paid millions of dollars to talk to me about a Chargers-Chiefs preview when the most com- compelling thing you've, you're have you saying is all how, is how bad these screw-ups are. I mean, I, us, the things he got right were basically the fact that Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill were on the roster. Here's what, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I'm looking at. Here's what I'm watching. I got Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Okay, and that's I'm watching. That's what I'm watching. For. Yes, Stephen A. So is everyone else in the in the world. They're on the team. There, we'll be watching them too, buddy. That's a great. Oh, oh that's a great. I, I got a lot of new information out of that. Um, really, really gave me perspective on the Chargers Chiefs matchup. A bunch of players that aren't on either team um, are going to impact it somehow, and. The Chiefs have two really good players that I should watch. So yeah, no. <laughs> Big Red's Big Red's biggest bust of of all time so far is Stephen A. Smith. Stick to basketball. At least it seems like you can pretend you know that a little bit better than football. Please stop. 
wasting Teddy Bruschi and Max Kellerman's time. Yeah, I mean, um, like I told you before we started recording, when I was watching this clip on Twitter, I thought it was like clip from like 2016 or 2017. Until he, until he mentioned Patrick Mahomes, I thought this was an older clip. It, it's just, I don't know, it's just funny. Um, everything's funny. I, I mean, I, I, I'll give him a pass on the San Diego because um, everybody, like, everybody still calls him San Diego Chargers. It was really hard for me to not call yeah. him San Diego Chargers when, <laughs> earlier. Um, I, have a, I have it in my notes. Raven, er, Ravens, and Bu- Ravens play the Bucks and Browns at home and Chargers in San Diego. <laughs> so, yeah, I still, and, like, no, it, and that's that's totally fine. That happens. Yeah, but I mean, the, like the other stuff, like I guess I don't know, just whatever, dude. I uh, one of the funnier tweets I saw was the Los Angeles Chargers Twitter account uh, has the injury report, and so they have their regular one, and then they quoted this tweet after the first take from yesterday morning, and they go update: Ladanian Tomlinson, Dan Fouts, and Lance Allworth all out tonight for the Chargers. <laughs> Ugh, just, just a roast session, and and you deserve it, Stephen A. I know, I know you don't have time to watch every game and do all this stuff, man. But shoot, dude, at least go read somebody else's pregame preview yeah. and pretend like you know. What you're well, talking I mean, for about a guy that's been out for the whole season, like he even he hasn't even played a, a game this season. To say that he has been great and the things he's doing for the Chargers' offense this year is awesome, unreal. Uh, on another side note, before we wrap up, because Big Red's got to get to big work here. Um, shout out Aquaquip. But uh, Antonio Gates is about as big as a bus, dude. I don't know if you saw him last night, but he's humongous. He's got a little belly. Um, still caught a few passes, so I mean, I don't know if I don't know if he's a big red baller or bust. But at least football wise, he's like 40 million years old, still balling out, catching passes. Um, on the bust end, he's looks like he's maybe 350 pounds. Dude, I, I, I'm Antonio Gates playing offensive line next year. <laughs> don't at me. Yeah, I don't know. He, should, he he needs to hang it up, looking Antonio Gates, I love you. But come on, dude. Yeah, I I love you. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, it's it's time. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, I actually have to really bounce out of here for work. Uh, it's Big Red signing off. Um, fans got a piece left. He can. No, um, thanks for listening. <laughs> All right, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. This is uh, Average Ant signing off. Also, um, say everybody tell Big Red to have a good day at work. So we'll see you later. <laughs>